Okay, so we are now we are now recording on this slightly different setup. Again, I swear we do not have the same setup three weeks in a row. No, absolutely not. Maybe one day we will. Mm. So as you can tell by the lack of... Autism. Yeah, uh, Colin is not present this week. No uh, offense to autistic children. We love them all, but Colin well, is a special autistic child. He's worse than I am, and that says a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, Colin is away on a personal errand. Um, uh, which I would like to talk about for a minute. Okay. So, uh, our audience should send thoughts, prayers, good wishes, whatever they feel like, towards Colin and his family. Uh, his wife, uh, her pet iguana died, and uh, they're, they're burying it right now. So, it, it's a very emotional time for, for him and his family. So, do, do you know if they plan on replacing the iguana? Or are they going to uh, take the relationship up a step and move on to a snake or something? I think they're going to be saving about 15% on their last pet and getting a gecko. My comic that might cost more than a dime. Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. There's just the two of us here. Uh, do we want to yeet into the news uh, like Colin yeeted out of this thing two days ago? We should probably do the whole classic uh, Welcome Back to the Dime Comic Bros podcast. That is an old classic from The Vault. Yes. The Vault that's open pretty much every week. Yeah, that we only started like nine months ago. Big Vault. More than that. Deep Vault. It's been we're, almost a we're year. We're coming up on a year. We're getting Next there. month. Okay, and we still months. can't figure out how to set up the microphone. Yeah, we're very professional. <laughs> I mean, hey, usually usually, when it's done, nobody knows. Until we lampshade the fact that we suck at what we do. <laughs> right? We joke about it, but we're not joking. No. Uh, so we've mentioned our missing host, our ghost host. Uh, but this week, you are joined by Spencer and Jacob. And uh, we are here to report the comic news of the week. Who you? We are not nude. Not this time. Not this time. It if if Colin was here. It has to be all three. Right. Three nude news dudes. Yes. Uh, so we have an article from DCComics.com. Uh, I think this was kind of the, the big announcement of the week. HBO Max and Cartoon Network announced a pair of new animated series this morning featuring DC's two biggest heroes, Batman and Superman. Batman Caped Crusader stems from the creative minds of Bruce Timm, J.J. Abrams, and Matt Reeves and promises a fresh take on the Dark Knight and his popular rogues gallery. In contrast, My Adventures with Superman will bring youthful energy to the world of the Man of Steel in a new animated series aimed at kids and families. We are beyond excited to be working together to bring this character back to telling grossing new stories in Gotham City, said Tim's, said Tim, Abrams and Reeves in a joint statement. The series will be thrilling, cinematic, and evocative of Batman's noir roots while diving deeper into the psychology of these iconic characters. We cannot wait to share this new world. Batman Caped Crusader has received a straight-to-series order by HBO Max and Cartoon Network. Produced by Warner Bros. Animation, My Adventures with Superman introduces us to 20-somethings Clark Kent, the bright and driven Lois Lane, and their best friend Jimmy Olsen as they begin to discover who they are and everything they can accomplish together as an investigative Reporting team at the Daily Planet. These are from some long sentences. Mm -hmm. Promising a mix of action, comedy, and romance, the new series has received a two-season order from HBO Max and Cartoon Network, as announced this morning by Warner Bros. Head of Kids and Family Programming, Amy Friedman. 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 There we go. 
It's been a great partnership working with Cartoon Network and HBO Max to bring more DC superheroes to the platform in new and interestingly creative ways. Summed up Register. This is the first animated Superman series in many years, and we want to tell our Superman story through the trio of Clark, Lois, and Jimmy, whose relationship dynamic will allow for rich, serialized, and engaging stories as we explore their lives as individuals and their journey together as friends. Big article. Very big. So big. I'm kind of looking forward to both of these, but I have a couple hesitations. What are you, what are you thinking? Um, I'm happy that there's new animated shows for Batman and Superman, just like my childhood. So the new generation can have the same thing I grew up with, and that is good. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably watch the Batman one. I've never been much of a Superman guy, which is kind of funny and cringe because of this week's main topic. <laughs> but, no, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested. I'll, I'll try him. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm looking forward to uh, Caped Crusader because... The teaser image and the, the noir and the all that shit is real exciting for me because I think that's something we still, even probably with BTAS being the strongest entry, still don't do enough of that. Right. But the fact that it is a whole new thing is kind of annoying. Like, it's not a big deal. But the fact that there's... The, so, I mean, the DC animated universe has a lot of room left. They're between, like, the end of Justice League into like Batman Beyond. There's this big time period. There's a lot of Batman material to go there that I think a lot of people have been kind of clamoring for more content in that universe. Admittedly, some of the movie entries lately have been pretty rough, so maybe they just want to keep it separate. But it's like, you know, that that is looking pretty cool. And it's a, it's a Superman show for kids. Like, right. I might, I'll, I'll probably check it out and be like, this is not for me, but it's cute. Whatever. I don't know. I think I'll be more into it than other new shows. It'll be easy to keep up with and follow along with, and it's not like the rest of my typical TV intake of dirty, gritty, and adult. I mean, that's true, but it, when it when it says family programming, they mean, like, this is going to be like a young seven, yeah. like, maybe everyone type. Like, this is going to be made for, like, ten-year-olds at max. That's Which is fair. Fine. I mean, the animated series, I think, was TV PG, so mm -hmm. it, it seems a little more childish than what we grew up with, but yeah, I'll take it. I'll try it. Yeah, definitely check out both. I'm surprised that this was included in the news, but Titans Season 3 has been announced to be coming to HBO Max in August of the year of our Lord, 2021. I mean, it's large enough. I mean, it's more like me following HBO Max as a platform than it is me caring about <laughs> Titans. I'm gonna watch it. But that's more out of curiosity than actually wanting to. I don't remember. Are you going to be talking about that this week? Because I know you were no. like, oh. I, I don't think I even finished the pilot yet. <laughs> I keep falling asleep. I can't in, imagine why. On my TV. So, because I get up at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> no, no, no. It's because Titans is shit. Oh, okay. Uh, so, I have an article from Variety.com. The force is strong with Dave Filoni, and so it seems is Twitter. Last summer, Lucasfilm quietly promoted the executive producer and frequent writer and director of The Mandalorian to executive creative director for the entire studio, a rep confirms with Variety. But the company didn't update its website with Filoni's new title until this week, which would be 2021, um, which is when it began to percolate and then explode across Reddit and Twitter as if the promotion had just happened. 
this is I actually found pretty funny because like a lot of the the stars of like different the actors and the voice actors are like oh dang that's great cool Dave and then uh, everyone's like wait a minute this was actually last year and they just didn't announce it publicly but big win I mean you can't figure it out by watching anything Star Wars and his name's plastered all over it I mean like he's always been plastered over but like having the official he's basically right underneath Kathleen Kennedy right now, which is exactly where he belongs. Is Makes right... sense to me. His name is on everything Star Wars. <laughs> that man and his Stetson. Yes. Single-handedly kind of saving Star Wars. Yes. He he has always been George's heir. He was the one who was groomed to be George's heir, and then they decided not to do that, but now they're kind of, he's kind of getting his dues in, which is pretty cool. We got a new trailer for Batman The Long Halloween Part 2, coming to digital July 27th and physical release August 10th. So I've kind of come around on this. I uh, know yeah. I know when the first part was announced, we got a trailer, I was kind of, eh. So I have weird feelings on Disney, uh, not Disney, <laughs> DC animated films as a whole because they're messy and i know i bitch about that sort of stuff all the time so we have like there was the interconnected universe which is kind of over now but this one might be a part of it now because so like it, it ended in um apocalypse war and then it got rebooted and technically it was announced that superman man of tomorrow was the first one in this new line which i thought was killer i didn't think it was gonna be when it was announced i didn't it looked like i was gonna hate it i loved it then we had um uh, is a is a Batman one. It doesn't seem to be connected. It's got a different art style, whatever. That came out a couple of months ago. It was fine. We have um, Justice League. It was a, like Justice Society World War Two or whatever. It it's in the same animated style. It's it's Wonder Woman and the Justice Society punching Nazis, mm-hmm. which looks to be pretty interesting. I haven't watched it yet. That just came out. And then we have the the two Batman Long Halloweens, which are in the same art style, which generally speaking for these sort of movies means they're in the same universe, which is weird, but this is also, er- so it's earlier career Batman as well, so it kind of fits in with, you know, oh, new Superman, and oh, new Batman, so I don't know. But the this new animation template gives me weird vibes, but I kind of like it because it, for these movies, for Long Halloween, I was hoping that they weren't going to try to imitate Tim Sale's art because I think that's where the other adaptations have kind of not failed. Um, like we had The Dark Knight Returns, which is equally as good as the book. Um, it emulates Frank Miller's style really well, but it does it in animation and it functions really well and it's nice and strong. Um, we had um, Under the Red Hood, which kind of adapted um, Jim Lee's art and such, and it was pretty good. Um, most people consider that to be an easier digest digestible little nugget rather than you know actually reading the comic um like you know when we have like gotham by gaslight and like uh superman red sun and they're all over the place in terms of what is where in it okay are these shared are these ones not some of the ones that are adaptations of a book are in the shared universe of movies so it just confuses me to be honest um because i don't think they have a plan but this art style, while being really simple and really clean and kind of cartoony childish, I think actually contrasts well with the story that they're going for. It doesn't feel like they're trying to just imitate what Tim Sale did with his caricatures. Right. And it has me more interested than I was originally. 
it, it's going to be weird because this movie's going to be rated R, but it has this style that definitely looks like it could pass on like Cartoon Network for like ten year olds. Right. I don't know. I'm not hyped, but I'm more interested. I have an article from comicbook.com. One of DC's most popular Elseworlds tales is officially getting the film treatment as Warner Bros. Home Entertainment confirms that an Injustice animated movie will be the next title in the studio's slate of animated films. Though little in the way of details have been revealed, <clears throat> it will seemingly spin out of the popular video game series and comic series of the same name. A sneak peek of the film will be available as part of the upcoming home release for Batman The Long Halloween Part 2. No other details surrounding the project, including a voice cast or release date, are available at this time. So, this is very shortly after the release of the new Mortal Kombat movie, which has done fairly well for itself. Yeah. Seems a little sus. I wouldn't call it sus. I'd say they're just, they're literally just going, hey, we can do that too. Exactly. And they're all, they're all owned by WB. So, I, uh... This I think is interesting for me because I, you have you both played both of the games? Uh, I've played part of the second one. Okay, so but I've I beat the first one easy. Yeah, so easy GG. I um really like both of the games, and I think the comic series have been absolutely stellar. In particular, to recover from some of the not-so-wonderful parts of the games. Um, and it's really painful because the two omnibuses. Of the comics, like, collecting most of what's out right now yeah, is, like, really cheap. Mm-hmm. And I want to do it, but I can't. Yeah. Uh, Tom Taylor is a king. Um, yes. He's, he's been killing it. So I'm wondering, um, my, my initial thing is, is this going to be an incontinuity whatever, or is it just going to be an adaptation? Because those could go two very different directions, because it could be... It's just watching the cinematics of the first game, which right. is like the major events that most people know about or are interested in, of you know Superman going bad and maybe punching Joker or whatever the fuck. Or is it going to be um, somewhere squeezed in there or like a part, like a, a POV change? Like, um, I believe it was Year Zero. I, the ones that just finished wrapping up were mostly told from Harley's perspective. Hmm. Like, I, I might be wrong on that. I haven't read them yet. Um... But, like, there are, is it going to be some other point of view of the terms of events, or is it going to be a sequel? Because we don't know where Injustice 3 is going right now. So, that's where my curiosity is. I'll right. watch it. I've watched most of their animated movies, even though they're very 50-50. Either they're amazing, yep. or they're shit. So, mm. Yeah, freaking 70 bucks for the first That's not bad. Omni. The, the year collections are, like, 25 bucks a pop, and those are really nice. They're, like nice like like hellboy sized um mm -hmm. omnibuses mm -hmm. basically what you were saying is how how unique is this movie gonna be i would like to see maybe a little bit from the games to ground it set set the stage but then have strong influences from the comics and if there is something that like a, a flat note from either of them to to change that i think that would be the best thing Best way to go about it? Probably. But. I have an exclusive from HollywoodReporter.com. The Batgirl movie project has found its director, or rather, in this case, its directors. Uh, Idil El Arabi and Bilal Falal, please excuse me, and completely and utterly butchering those names, 
Uh, the duo behind the 2020 hit Bad Boys for Life have closed a deal to steer Warner Bros. DC feature centering on Barbara Gordon, the daughter of Gotham City Police Commissioner James Gordon. Christina Hodson, who wrote Bumblebee and is in the Warner Bros. fold with her screenplay of Birds of Prey and The Flash, penned the script for what is being planned as a movie for HBO Max. With Batgirl, we hope to take the audience on a fun ride and see a different side of Gotham, said Burr. Christina's script is crackling with spirit. Adil and Bilal have an excited, I cannot talk today, and joyous energy, which is infectious, making them the perfect filmmakers for this Bat project. Nice. And I'm just psyched I get to be a part of the DC Universe, which is super cool. I'm kind of hyped for this, actually. I don't like Bad Boys for Life, but I I like the energy that the movie had. I cringed really hard when you said that. Really? Ugh. I'm not a big fan of the franchise period, so, like, I wasn't that hyped for the movie at all. I enjoyed the directing, though. I just don't like that type of movie doesn't tickle my fancy. It never really has. Even as, like, a, a dumb meathead boy... Still never really did my thing, but I did enjoy the direction, like the the overall energy that it had. It made the movie bearable for me. I'm just happy the thing's moving forward with people attached to it. It's still kind of a tough track record. Uh, you mentioned Bumblebee, which I've heard mixed things about. Hey, it's insanely better than the rest of the Transformers. That means well, a lot. That's not hard to do. A Bumblebee was pretty solid. I Birds haven't seen of, it yet. Birds of Prey, Birds was, of Prey was good. Was well received. Right. Did not make money. Uh, and then The Flash, we don't know about yet. Right. So, I mean, track record's improving. So, sure. I just want to watch a Batgirl movie, and I'm so glad that the devil is no longer attached to it. Which we all knew was coming anyway. I'm. Just, it's just... It's weird. They're planning it as a movie for HBO Max. That's a little strange. I can't wait for the memes. Um, I stocked up on a couple of comics by your favorite director. Ah. <laughs> yes, and uh, so I'll be reviewing those shortly, and I just can't wait for you to like throw out everything I say because of who wrote it. <laughs> no, like he's a really he's a pretty solid writer. I think his directing stuff is pretty fifty fifty. Um, it's kind of weird. Usually, I'm not a big fan of retroactively going back and looking and seeing all the cracks, but like I think. Going back and watching, like, the original Avengers, the cracks really show with age. Just by opinion, but, like, I don't like that movie very much anymore. And, yeah, it came out when I was 11, so I lost my... And it was was really important. Like, nobody's denying that. Right. But visually and directing-wise, it's pretty fucking lackluster. It looked like a goddamn sitcom. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. But, anyways, away from Ginger Devil. Um, That's the end of the news. Just, I, I don't know. Be, a big explosive Batgirl movie would be fun. Just have some fun. Go like it, like like Batgirl a Burnside type, like late New 52. Have fun with it. Right. Give her the bright purple suit and just go crazy. Um, main topic? Sure. All right, comrade. Superman Red Sun uh, is a three-issue prestige format a comic book miniseries published by dc and released under the elseworld imprint in 2003 it was uh written by mark millar um and illustrated by uh penciled by dave johnson andrew robinson walden pong and killian plunkett a lot of pencilers um 
So this is is what literally uh, the premise was. What if Superman had been raised in the Soviet Union? So what if Superman but communism? So yeah, so we have uh, Superman crashes in the Soviet Union. He actually crashes in the Ukraine. Um, gets raised by some farmers, then is yeeted into the government. Um, and he acts as the Ubermensch. He, he is the... Uh, the Superman. He's like the essential, not the enforcer. That's a bit too strong of a word. He's a, he's a little bit below Stalin. He's like Stalin's like right hand boy, basically. Like Until literally. Stalin dies, yes. in which case he becomes the Soviet leader. Yeah. Um. Which, just on that note, that's the major change that the animated movie did. Really. Superman killed Stalin. What? I actually think the movie's better. But that's, I'm going to clip all that out. Technical difficulties. Um, yeah, so over the three issues, we get to see three different time periods. Um, I'm not going to list the years off the top of my head. So we have Superman uh, taking over as the leader of the Soviet Union from Stalin. Stalin just dies. He got poisoned at a party or whatever. Um, you know, Superman is hesitant to take over the Soviet Union because he's like, hey, I'm just here to help people. I'm not here to, like, lead, lead. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't like, I don't like government. Um, and then he um, sees what's going on with the people and how much they need a leader. And he's like, all right, get. Um, and he just becomes Superman, but, but all the communism if he openly declares himself to be a communist we take his word for it so we jump forward uh in the next issue to some 20 ish years later um we have uh batman doing an anarchy so this batman is uh his parents were killed by an agent of the kgb so he blames superman for all of his problems um I personally feel like there's some BVS got some influence out of this book in that yep. aspect. It gives the same vibes, um, like the direct link to Superman type agitation. But this Batman is basically just Batman, but with a fucking hat. It's my favorite Batman outfit. Ser like, are you kidding? Like, really? It's one of my favorites. It's definitely up there. It, it's one of my top five, at yeah. least. It's very, he's got, he's got like a big old, it's a, like a canvas and like tactical gear outfit. And he's just got a freaking, oh, what are those hats called? Ooh. It's not a deer stalker, but he's got, he's got a fuzzy hat. Dog gear. Something like that. He's got a big old fuzzy hat on top because it's cold because it's Russia. <laughs> I freaking, I have one of those hats and I love that thing. Yeah, they're warm. It's one of my sure. favorites. Um, so we have the, the ideological difference to, to dig into my political knowledge here is essentially going, we have a we have an anarchist going against a tanky. Um, so Superman being like the, the, the head of the Soviet Union is getting a little bit detached from the people. Um, he's, you know, living life, making statues and stuff. Um, he thinks he's still doing the right thing and he's sending out people to, to help the country, but he doesn't do as much of the work himself as he probably should be. So he's like getting detached from the people. Um, so he's becoming very much so a what most people think of when they think of the Soviet Union and or communism of like the government just kind of doing it as the meme goes when the government does stuff it's socialism and when the government does all the stuff it's communism which isn't actually how economics works but for the <laughs> meme um, and then we have Batman who follows under a similar like branch of of the the political tree but he believes that Superman has become, to an extent, a dictator and kind of a useless tool of, like, the the system. 
and is trying to bring it down so he can like reestablish them means of production to the peoples to break it down very very simply you're getting very excited and i need you to calm down yeah so we have that uh wonder woman is just kind of vibing through this whole book she's just there she has a crush on superman which i thought was kind of cute um and superman's too dense to figure it out he's really he's a he's a complete himbo he's real dumb um, and then we go, we jump forward in time and now Superman's getting old. They're, you know, they're all kind of getting old. We have, um, Lex Luthor who's working, who, who's part of the United States government throughout the other two issues. He's, he's, he's Lex Luthor. He's big old scientist man, hates Superman, trying to kill Superman, normal Lex Luthor. Right. Um, and he ends up essentially taking down Superman, um, through non-violent means, and then he has to team up with Superman so they can destroy Brainiac. Very rough synopsis. So through all three issues, you have the, the other side of the ocean. We have uh, what's going on in America with Lex Luthor and Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane and all that fun shenanigans. Jacob, what are your, what are your, give me some thoughts to work off of. We've talked about before in The Dark Knight Returns how Superman role in that book is kind of generic the it kind of doesn't do a justice to superman's character um but i think that batman's role in this superman book was done really really well it makes sense uh all of batman's motivations and what he does and it's close to his character so i really like batman's role in this book it's probably my favorite part of the book i i definitely agree with you on that it takes up the majority of the second issue um i so my thing with this book i haven't read this in a while um when i reread it my major thought was this is a lot more of what if superman but communism instead of actually digging into it that much it's very surface level for the most part. Um, it, it relies a lot more on the aesthetic of like, so it, the, it, it leans more into like the cultural differences more so than the actual political differences of what's going on. Right. Mark Millar has a very basic understanding of economic systems and it clearly isn't trying to make this actually about ideology for the most part. And that's, I think, why the Superman and Batman dynamic works the most is because that's the deepest one that there is. Compared to the, the rest of them, it's kind of, I don't know, the book has more of, like, the aesthetic of the idea rather than actually diving into it. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just not how I like most of my books to be. That's pretty close to one of the notes that I wrote down. I said, uh, reading this kind of feels like willingly reading propaganda. Like, look how bad socialism is. Uh, the leading example, I think, is in the first issue. It shows... Uh, People, you know, having to eat from soup kitchens or whatever. And yeah, Superman's bread, like, we have line. to fix this. Uh, and and the book is literally like, this is this is why socialism doesn't work. But it's like, but we have soup kitchens in America, too, where yeah. people are free. So basically what you were saying, uh, it doesn't make its case well. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I also said, this book is definitely interesting in premise. Like, what if Superman landed in the USSR? And how would that change things? That's a really good idea. 
I I really like the idea, but it just feels like it gets kind of lost in itself and its goals. Um, I read it once before this and then pretty much forgot about it, but that kind of works in my favor because it's almost to the point that you hear the idea, the premise, and you can probably create a more convincing scenario in your imagination. So, yeah, that that I definitely agree with. Um, to be honest, I'm kind of impressed that this thing won an Eisner when it came out. Really? Yeah, it did. Like, I can understand on base premise of if you just had the idea. I can understand why a book based on the same premise could win an Eisner. But this one is like, really? I like Mark Millar's writer. He tends to do some real edgy shit. Sometimes it's really bad. Um, but it, it definitely feels like either he bit off more than he could chew or the book was probably just marketed poorly. It, I think it mo might more be how DC Publishing handled what the idea was because I think this is a very enjoyable read. It's very dense, but also small at the same time. Um, it's very compact. It throws a lot of dialogue at you. It's almost all dialogue. Um, but it's not like they're waxing poetic about ideology and like actual economics or whatever. They're just, but, but, but the KGB killed my parents. I must <laughs> kill Batman. I mean, kill Superman, whatever. The f it's very, it, it's definitely surface level. It looks pretty solid. I gotta say, yep. I not the biggest fan of the art on the whole. That's just a style thing but the the like designs i think are amazing the like the different costumes particularly say the uniforms the, oh yes very good color soviet coding. superman looks glorious i was gonna say uh soviet wonder woman yes the colors are really good uh, black and red horny not that much, but like no, the the but, the suits are really really they're sleek. They're they look really interesting. They're very different. They're not just like color swapped versions. Like Superman's feels like a uniform. Wonder Woman's is kind of just color swapped. Yes. Um, Batman's is like aesthetically very different, even though it follows the same basic idea that yeah. Batman suits do. Yeah. And hat. Yeah. Hat. Um. Yeah. So I think it's just the overall part of the art that I don't really like. Is it is very samey. Very, yeah, it's very samey. Um, it's a bit... Generic is a strong and very derogatory word, but it feels like this is what most Superman books look like. It There's a lot of text boxes and not much to look at besides text boxes. Yeah, and I feel it, like a lot of the, the splash pages, like the real big full page, double pages, yep. they're coded in so much text it's really hard to look at. Like There's right. some really good panels and there's so much dialogue which is more a problem of the letterer than the artist but still i argue that this should have been an actual novel instead of a comic book i think that would be yeah actually now that i think about it because i think that would have negated a lot of the not processing but like a lot of what you need to make the comic book that cuts out like half the process you don't need all the artists so you don't need the pencilers the inkers the letters like all that stuff you cut it down to the writer and like an editor and a publisher it's That'd be so much easier because then well, you can actually dive into the actual content exactly. that this thing hints at rather than just looking cool. It, like, I was trying to describe this to people asking me what we were going to be talking about. I'm like, I said that it was kind of a thinker's comic. You, really... you have to understand what they're talking about and they talk a lot. But it's yeah. like, it would be so much better if it was an actual book and they could describe or flesh out what they're trying to say. 
That is a really good way to put it, because I think it exists in a weird area in the middle, whereas if you have, like, no knowledge of comic books or Superman or whatever, I think reading it will be a little tricky, um, because it does rely on, to an extent, some knowledge of how comics function or the ideas of Superman or whatever. And it's not very action-heavy. It's a lot of dialogue. Right. But the dialogue doesn't really go that deep, so it's not, like, that freaking deep and it's like the things that we've said we liked the the different uniforms or whatever you can easily describe in words yeah. you don't have to see them or you can put pictures in the book too you could have you can do that it is allowed in adult books right. to slip in some artwork here and a there. couple of nice glossy pages in oh, the middle yeah. of the book which then as a kid you would immediately skip to because you exactly. just want to look at it yep oh yeah so yeah i think it definitely should have been a book so that you could have so much more detail and not be bored reading a comic book yeah, that I, I definitely agree with. Because um, that's how, ugh, that's why I only got halfway through this this week. Is like every time I thought like, oh, I have to read that, I would read a couple of pages and be pull a Colin, which is going to be my theme this episode. I was like full blown, ADHD AF, could not freaking yeah. focus. Um, yeah, I I was freaking bored rereading it because i read it a year ago yeah and i mostly remembered the things i had to remember and everything else kind of fades in the background and yeah. i think that kind of feeds into some one of my points was i wish it was a lot longer you could have either you could have done this in one shot just a little thing just a little bite-sized chunk or you could have done like a like this is three issues like three normal size issues right you could have made this like five or like eight and i think it would have di- dove into it a lot better and then it, the time jumps are st- Stupidly jarring between issues. Yep. I understand why you'd want to do that to tell the narrative you have. You know, if you're only allowed these three issues, you want to cover this conflict over so many decades. It's you know obviously supposed to mirror the Cold War because it is the Cold War. Right. But it just, it feels like it builds up to so many things, which I think are really nice ideas, like how the, the end of the book goes. The, the overall finale, the um, rivalry between Lex Luthor and Superman, it it kind of ends up relying on the fact that you know that Superman and Lex Luthor have a rivalry everywhere else because this book, while it has it, it doesn't dive into those two people specifically against each other, more like the idea and then Superman just kind of fighting against what Lex Luthor is doing. It's it's weird. and But then the book ends with with Superman doing a, what I think is a really, really great ending where he you know he goes off, he saves the world, whatever, and he, he calls Lex Luthor friend, and I'm like... That hits, that hits good, that hits the good spot. But why would he fucking say that, though? Because mm. in this book, it doesn't establish like a, like a, like a Sherlock Moriarty sort of thing, whereas I think that's kind of what it's supposed to be, is like, it's, it's an ideological difference, and they're fighting ultimately for the same goal, blah, blah, blah. But this book doesn't dive into it, like, at all, because it has to focus so much on the plot, but it still ends up not really going that anywhere, because it's all, ooh, they're doing this, and ooh, aliens, and ooh, Brainiac, and whatever, but it doesn't... A lot of it, I I kind of want to say like forty percent maybe is Superman's inner monologue of this is what I grew up with and was taught and how I should serve my country and whatever <coughs> and whatever. Uh, I think you could have definitely if you're gonna do this as a book. He, I think doing this full first person would have been really cool. He's like he's always questioning what is right and wrong and what makes you know the the united states different from the soviet union and who's right there and like there's a lot of that and there's I a think lot it of could be trimmed down. it's a lot of lampshading without yes. actually going anywhere with it it's right. just him kind of doing the same questions and then lex luther doing the same haha capitalism can be bad but like it's better it's like but 
where where to prove dough. Have you seen all the behind the scenes stuff? Yes, all I right. find that so much more interesting. Right, I love that sort of stuff. Um, so like um, I um, I do really love what they did with the Green Lanterns, though. So the twists on some of the other DC characters, I think, are very fifty fifty. Uh, what they did with the Green Lanterns is really, really interesting. Um, I like the the way that they balanced the ideas of the Superman and Lex Luthor dynamic. I really like Brainiac. But Lois Lane serves, like, almost no function in this book. She is very much so the plot. And, I like, was, the movie did it better. I wanted to uh, talk about that. Oh, boy. So, it kind of drives me crazy that what they did to the Lois Lane character, and I thought you were going to be against me on this one because I talked about it last week about somebody else too. No, oh, Jim just, Gordon. It's just love triangle. It's and so weird. It's like they try to justify her wanting Superman because she has an awful marriage with Lex Luthor because he's an asshole. But, <laughs> Lex Luthor? A sociopath, really. But it just comes across to me like she wants the all-star quarterback. <laughs> and like... Yeah. Everybody knows where that goes. As soon as he retires and doesn't throw the football good no more, she's going to want the next all-star quarterback kind of deal. And it's like, I, I think yeah. it cheapens her character. Oh, for sure. She is not a character in this, like, at all. They she's there for the aesthetic of having Lois Lane. Right. They should have had her a strong Soviet woman and, like, whatever else. They, they should have, I don't know... Uh, you could have... Something swapped her character. I don't know what that ver uh, uh, noun would be, but just swap her to the Soviet side too, and have her there as Superman's, you know, solid wife. That's like maybe feeding into his no socialism is the best, and you're the ruler of the world, and whatever else. Like yeah. that should be the counterbalance to him saying, well. Is there something better? Like, that would have worked so much better That than is a good point. Is, is usually when you have um, a narrative that's told primarily from the perspective of someone who is ultimately wrong, but we're supposed to empathize with, as an example, being like Joker, like the movie, generally speaking, it's smart to have a, a... They're not exactly a foil. I don't remember the specific narrative term. But, like, having someone there essentially just to talk about fucking, like, ideology... Like, just someone to sit there and bounce their ideas back at them because it makes it gives you more potential to kind of just talk about it. Like, it's very narrative convenience so we can discuss this in more depth without having to do much about it. But, like, that really helps with that. And then Superman is very lonely in this book, which I do enjoy, but, like, there isn't... It's just kind of looping his own dialogue back onto himself right. versus Lois Lane is over there. And I get the idea of, like, her being essentially, like, the side effect of, like, what the capitalist machine is doing, like, with with driving Lex away and just making him just, just, just hate Superman and only focus on Superman, whatever, and, like, they only hang out on their anniversaries and whatever. I get that. You know, like, she's, like, the neglected, like, home wife, whatever. But it's so boring and doesn't explore her as a character at right. all. Like, she's there as, like... The the window book is tr the book is trying to say hey having a wife as a window dressing is bad but then the book does the wife as the window dressing <laughs> right so it doesn't really go anywhere and then so my idea like kills two birds with one stone because we complained about Wonder Woman 
just being there and like having a crush on Superman and he was too dumb to recognize it. Like maybe have her as the strong American opposition to counter out Superman. Like Something. then you get better characterization for both female characters instead yeah. of just being throwaway cheap and doesn't really add anything to the story. Yeah, it's weird. I think I I don't think switching them on sides would work very well, like overall, but I think needing to actually utilize them in your structure would be a much better idea. Well, I don't think it would make a lot of sense in most universes to throw Wonder Woman against owning the That does it. I feel like Wonder Woman's not going to be siding with America most of the time. Like I have an issue with in most Superman ideas is like with this one, why doesn't he just nuke anything that comes against this mother Russia? Like, I mean, his philosophy behind that is that he wants to do it entirely bloodless, or as bloodless as possible. Like, he says that throughout the book. He very intentionally does... When he is doing things, and I think that's the key point that I enjoyed, at least in terms of that, is when he does things, they're bloodless, and they're done democratically, but he can't do everything. So when he ends up delegating to people, they make Batmans, basically. <laughs> Like, when he is directly involved, like, that's the the end point of the book, is, like, he's trying to save everyone and do as much good while doing as little harm, but he can't be everywhere at once, so there are bound to be side effects to that. But that is a character trait, and that is a weak argument, basically, I think. If he didn't have that in his mind as, like, a personal rule, then he could just wipe out whatever comes against him and there would be no opposition there's no villain to the story besides whatever lex can that's i think the maybe the ultimate reason why this book feels weird is because you there's kind of two paths you have to take it and i i think i agree with the overall idea of this one is it is he's still superman even though all the things around him are different he was raised differently he has somewhat different values but like it's Clark Kent, like, yeah, he's different, and he speaks funny and whatever, but, like, he he's has... a country boy. Yeah, he has almost all the same values that he does in any other continuity, any other universe, so it's, 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 continue. it's, like, um, it's kind of like that theme, that theme that's hinted at in, like, uh, I think Doomsday Clock primarily of, like, you know, every universe has its Superman, or it kind of has to have a Superman. Superman, as a, as a concept, is eternal, he's always right. gonna be there, so, like, it either that or then you just remove it. Then it just turns into injustice, and then it's just Superman being a dictator. So, do you want to go with more of a story about the politics of it, or do you want to go about how Superman would function? And this book doesn't really pick. Right, Superman's OP. So you need really strong concepts. He should be more of a philosopher, I think. Yes. Than just an action hero because he's OP. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And I think that's the things that his better stories usually lean into. And then this one kind of... It hints that it wants to, but it doesn't really do it. Um, My last point is that I do enjoy how after um, the end of this book, at the end, where essentially capitalism and socialism fuck, and then they make this whole new system that makes everything great and the world's a utopia, and then it inevitably fails in some way, shape, matter, or form. And we have, like, it, it does the whole everything is cyclical, kind of like like the end of, like, um, Last Night on Earth, where, like, there's always, there's always going to be a Superman. So then this 
they in the future, I don't remember, it's like it's millennia later, there are these people who send back their son, Kal-El, in time to go back in time and land in Russia. And like it does the whole cyclical, the end is the beginning thing. Right. I'm a sucker for those, even though See, usually they're pointless. Last night on Earth, that part really threw me. I was like, what are they trying to accomplish with this twist? And I didn't get it. It went over my head because it's in a confusing part of a timeline. Like, they start out trying to confuse you, like, where is this in whatever timeline? Yeah. With, like, a body swap and whatever. And then it ends with that, and it's like, what is going on? I don't understand. Yeah, no. I mean, that was, I think we discussed it at the oh, time, yeah. and over time I've come to agree a little bit more with you that was one of the weaker points of that book. But I think I... It's one of those things that give me happy feelings, even though I know most of the time they they have no reason to be there and they're kind of dumb. Like, oh, they did the Superman will always exist thing. Same thing with Doomsday Cock. Doomsday Cock did that. I, I really loved how Doomsday Cock did that, actually. I know you did, but that's because you understand the DC timeline way freaking more than <laughs> I do. True. And I'm like, <laughs> is that? It's a little blue boy. <laughs> no kidding. Um, so overall, thoughts... I enjoyed this. I'll read it every once in a while, but I really it had way more potential out of the base premise than it than was executed. I upon attempting rereading probably will not come back to this. I remember or I remembered it better than what it really is. Wow. Interesting. This it was a struggle to get halfway through it this week. I was just very bored. Yeah. I smashed through it at work, so I was already bored, so it kind of helped with that. Right. Um, so, we're going to move on to uh, Star Wars Bad Batch Episode 4, which came out yesterday. Jacob, what you I think? I pulled a Colin and uh, stared at my phone far more than the actual episode. So you're going to have to carry me on this one. Wow. <laughs> wow. I did notice that the character I never remember the name of from Mandalorian is in this episode. Fennec Shand. Yes. Yeah, so... Voiced by the same actress, too. Yes. 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 And Ming my Wen. She's great. brother was playing Call of Duty in the other room with his freaking... Uh, pop music playing in his ears. It Did was he like, go, Is that Agent May? Yep. Yes, I'm a simp. From Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's like, Oh, that's that's the person from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm like, Okay, cool. I haven't Dude, seen that one. Dude, that one is great. Um, also, aging like wine. Um, um, okay, so, yeah, basic plot of this episode. This is, a ver this is one of those nice little simple plot episodes, yep. which I was a big fan of. Um, I've been... It's mostly a chasing... Yeah, it's a lot of just yeah. So the they need to cloak their ship because there's apparently a target on their back, and you know people are tracking them, and they're like, oh shit. Also, they're out of money. Yeah, because you know they have they have Republic credits, and those don't work on me. Holy money! <laughs> so they, they need to get Imperial credits to like do anything, but they can't get Imperial credits until they they register to get their personal ID numbers, and they can't do that because they're on the run. You know the whole the whole dealio. Um, I forget. I'm reading like three different Star Wars books right now, and I don't even know if it was one of those or if it was some show I watched or whatever. But when the Empire took over, 
in one of the iterations of Star Wars that I've been consuming recently, there was, um, they set up like little shops and they were saying, uh, trade in your Republic credits for Imperial credits or whatever. So, oh yeah, no, that's in Lost Stars. Is it? Okay. You know, there's just like so, little propaganda centers everywhere. It, right. Yeah, they're so just is that sucking canon? off Palpatine. You know, like, it is. why couldn't the Bad Batch do that? Because they you still show. need your you need your um I don't remember the specific term you need chain code there we go, oh, and they're which not, is what they're Mr. Not, Filoni has created by the way yeah so you need your chain code um hence that's hence why you know Han no name uh was was given a last name a solo in in Solo a Star Wars solo solo movie because <laughs> he does with with, he, with his red solo cup. They need to land so they can tweak the ship so they can get the they can switch their um basically their their ship VIN number. <laughs> um so they land. Then they're like, ah, oh, also hungry. So they you know, a cup they they split up. Um Hunter and um I think Echo. You mean Uncle Hunter and Uncle Echo. Sorry, I forgot my own rule. <laughs> um <laughs> So the two best characters <laughs> take the small other best character. Um, and then they go on a little expedition to go see what they can scrounge up and yeah, do some sightseeing. Sorry, it's not sightseeing. We're on a mission, but it's sightseeing. Um, so they go to a shop. They sell off Echo, which I thought was freaking hilarious. Right. They're like, oh, he looks like a droid. We could he's sell a him. droid. We could sell him for money. Um, and he's like pissed I, off the whole time. About, I'm well, worth more than 2,000 credits. <laughs> I think it was three. That they he was settled on for. three. And he still wasn't happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that was that was great. So yeah, they they split up, uh, and then Wrecker and Uncle Wrecker and Uncle Tech. That sounds horrible. Um, stay with the ship. They're making the modifications because you know Wrecker can wreck it, and then Tech can fix it. <laughs> I'm trying to make a really bad Wrecker Ralph reference. Um, right, I I was trying to help you there by staring at me. That helps. I was connecting telepathically, oh, okay. and the uh, Bluetooth connection failed. So I got to disconnect that speaker. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then Omega decides to she she has a thing, and then an animal takes a thing, and she she gets lost. Um, and then Fennec Shand uh, is a bounty hunter, who this is her first timeline canon appearance, as far as I'm aware. So this is cool. Um, so this is like her origin or whatever the fuck. Um, so she has been contracted to find the kid. We don't know if that is a specific bounty or if that's an open bounty or not. Right. Um. So, yeah, she tries to steal the kid. Uncle Hunter says no. And then fight scene, chase scene, more fight scene. Droid uprising, baby. I swear, every time they do a little droid uprising, it makes me happy. Like, it's the same thing over and over. It's like, wait a minute. We are slaves. Let's not be slaves. That guy's nice. Let's go with that guy. And they do the same thing. Like, every every series, every movie has it now. And I love it. I was a really big fan of the music of this episode. Kevin Kiner has been just absolutely nailing it with all the animated stuff lately anyway. But it, for some reason, this episode stuck out. It was just it was real energetic and fun. It took a 22-minute basically chase and fight sequence, and it was still really fun and upbeat, and I wasn't bored. Mm. But also cute little droids did cute little droid things. There's the little... He kind of looked like an astromech droid, but he had like little arms and legs. Right. That was hilarious. I want one. <laughs> um, I'll take two. Yeah. Is really it. I'm just yeah. now we know where the plot's going overall. Um, with there's a bounty out on Lay Child, so we get an idea what we're doing now. Now that we're four episodes into a 16 episode season, 
and we're still in the beginning of Act One. Now mm-hmm. we kind of have an idea where we're going, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I was just glad it was something simple, like not plot heavy, but like plot focus. Just because Star Wars has been so big and complicated lately, I'm past like five years. Um, it's a nice break. I know that's what we also said about the Mandalorian season one when that came out, but even Mandalorian season two was up not convoluted, but it was there were many layers going on. There was a lot of stuff and Rise of Skywalker next sentence. Um lots of complicated big plot. What's what well, twist? That, that was just trying to make up for the shitty trilogy. Yes. Like, and then made it worse. Let's throw everything at the wall. Literally everything. And at the it wall. all turns into crap. Basically. Um, <laughs> but we're trying to fix our movie trilogy. Yeah. Yeesh. Yeah, but it like, was a Hail Mary that was intercepted. Yeah. Um but it's like even a lot of just a lot of Star Wars lately. I'm I was kind of tired and then I I was glad that we were starting with Bad Batch which is for the most part smaller. And I like how they're sticking with that and then this episode in particular didn't have like a strong emotional through line. I thought they might go with the whole, "Oh, look, the kid was tricked into being friends with the tricky people who tricked them into not liking their old friends or whatever the hell." And I'm like, Wait, please tell me that they trust this kid to be smart. And then the kid didn't do something really extra stupid, and I was happy. I don't know. Trixie Hobbitses. Yeah, basically. I was like, oh, gosh, are they going to do the kid gets tricked into hating their friends or whatever? Oh, no, they did. Oh, thank God. It just was, we're getting pursued by bounty hunters, or one bounty hunter. And I guess that I would assume that that's most likely going to be most of the plot for the rest of the season. Right. Which is fine by me. I liked the last moment where it showed that Fennec Shand isn't a complete piece of shit. Whereas, you know, like the shopkeeper was right. like, please no kill me, and she still paid him. That, I think, is kind of them going, see, she's not a total shithead, so when probably has no redemption arc in this season at all, like, we just go, and then if you go to the end of her, you know, in The Mandalorian now, where she's in the middle, is kind of just being swayed by where the money is, but, like, she's not, like, a scumbag or whatever, uh-huh. it's like, I guess that makes more sense. So I guess it's not, it's retroactively planting seeds or whatever the hell. Any last thoughts on this episode? Nope. Or, no. Okay, cool. It was cool. The droids were cute. The kid's cute. Uh, we got, we're going to go punch some stuff. I don't know. So this week I read a book. I know. Thank you. Um, I did my job. So I read uh, Year of the Villain, The Infected. So... Um, you know how last week I was like, you know how this Batman Superman book came out of this other book, which came out of that other book? Mm -hmm. Well, this is the book that comes out of Batman Superman. It's a lot. Um, yeah. So this is basically, this is a series of one shots for, um, all of the, the infected, the secret six, all the infected people. Um, this was really 50, 50. Um, so there were... Um, three issues, which I thought were really good. So we had Shazam, um, who's being a real edgy <laughs> teenager. It's basically it. He's just being a dick the whole time. Uh, Supergirl, which I thought was really good. It ties into what she had been doing at the time. So it's a, it's a lot of plot that I didn't even know about because I hadn't been keeping up with the Supergirl line. But there's some good internal stuff going on there. And then James Gordon, big standout. Excellent, excellent <laughs> issue. Uh, the Blue Beetle one was pretty mediocre. Um, Typical, am I right? A little bit. I really liked the premise i like what they're doing with him like the character they're like oh he's infected so he like he's he turns like this, like an actual beetle monster um i really liked that the art was really weird 
Um, I have not encountered the artist before. It was kind of gross, blobby, everything's around type. I don't know. Um, but I did like the internal dialogue a lot. It was very gross. Um, so Donna Troy, uh, which I believe is just the Teen Titans issue, was horrible. <laughs> um, I don't like Donna Troy, period. I never have. I think she's boring as all hell. Um, I'm a much bigger fan of the current Wonder Girl that they're going for. Um, that will be the one moving into the future. I don't, I don't like Donna Troy. She sucks. Um, and the Hawkman issue was also pretty bad. It was just Hawkman exists in other Earths and is also evil. Like Hawkman has always been an inter-Earth, interdimensional, interlinked deity base. It's yep. so pointless. Where the hell is this thing going was the thought throughout this whole thing. It's just a compilation of um, the individual issues. So, yeah. like, versus if you go into the book from the metal event that collected all of the one-shots for the dark Batman. Yeah, those. The, were... uh, I know what you're talking yeah. about. The Batman who laugh or... Whatever the hell it was. Um, Something like that. Yeah, but that book was... It's still a, it tied into the ongoing narrative at the time. Yep. Um, so you read it interspersed. It's like, ooh, they introduced a new one. Yep. Next issue, you get to read their origin. That flowed really well. Um, they were very well contained. Versus this is it, it, this kind this kind of event meshing with the ongoing lines. It was really messy, and I was kind of bored. Um, it was, ugh. It is a compilation book, basically. Mm-hmm. Not a big fan. A couple of good ones, though. James, Evil James Gordon's pretty fucking cool. I don't know. What have you been doing? Is that from um, the one drawn by Jacques? No. Like, I mean, the, the, follow, the, it, it's the, the follow-up to that. The end of that, he's, yeah. like, infected that, by the Joker And then juice. that falls into Batman Superman, which then leads into this, which okay. leads into the actual... So it's event. the payoff to... The, yeah cliffhanger in Batman Who Laughs or whatever. Literally, you cut off that one page and it's a self-contained book. Right! So close. It's a really good cliffhanger too and it's a, it goes cool places. Anyways, what have you been doing? Boy. Suggested price. Um, I bought this full price for like $15. If it's like five, pick it up. I'm happy because it's on my shelf because I'm a completionist dickhead. But I wouldn't recommend... I'd, I'd loan this to people and then recommend you only read specific issues. Right. So what if you only found the James Gordon issue? Would I'd pay like five bucks for that. All right. That's a, I, That was a really good issue. So really, you're just buying the book for the Gordon <laughs> issue? A little bit. I mean, he yells at Batgirl and then she cries. It was pretty cool. Hmm. She does a big sad because Daddy's screaming at her. Well... This week, I read Swamp Thing Roots of Terror, which was released in 2019. Ooh. It includes four issues of uh, Swamp Thing stories um, that aren't connected in any way. Uh, the point of this book is it's basically a tribute to Len Wein. I think I'm saying that right. I believe so. Who died... Uh, it seemed quite suddenly, uh, quite young. Uh, he was the one writing most of the Swamp Thing stories. And when he died, they had actually written and basically made an issue starting a new series. So uh, that was one of the ones included. It was like part of the main continu continuity, it seemed. And it was going to be like a three-part 
uh, three issue storyline, but obviously there was only one made. This is my first thing with my first Swamp Thing book that I've ever read. Mm. So my uh, takes are going to be kind of just floating out there in the ocean because I don't know what to base this off of besides other comics. I don't think it's floating around in the ocean, my dude. I'm pretty sure it's floating Flo around in the, swamp. in the bayou. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, the artwork is really, really good. There was one that I can point out and say this is the weakest, but that's by far, or that, yeah, that's far from saying it's bad. It was just <laughs> three amazing ones and one good one. So, for, for artwork. Um, there's lots of depth and meaning to the characters that you'll love oh, when I lend yeah. you this book. Um, the size of the book is doubled by so much behind-the-scenes stuff for these four issues. So you basically read the issues twice. You see how it was released, and one or two of them have a little blurb explaining it before you read it. And then the end of the book goes through the same order, but it's got like the script, or it's got the pencils with no text boxes or whatever, or inks or whatever, or concept art, or all kinds of things like that. So you, you basically, you're buying four issues <laughs> with a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Nice. Cover price is 18 bucks. Wow. I would suggest half that. Unless you are a diehard Swamp Thing fan, I mean, in I which got case some Swamp Ass right now. In which case, this is going to mean a lot to you. So definitely pay full price because it it was a very nice tribute to uh, Len Wein and there was somebody else, but I forgot who. I believe it was an artist that was connected to the You're series. Doing the oh shit! I completely you sound like a porn star who's freaking out like, you're you're you sound like you're trying really hard to sound like you're doing something and everyone knows you're lying no i i'm trying to remember because i read it a couple of days ago and i was like i don't know who that is and now i should be reporting it and i can't spencer what else have you done this week so i did another year of the villain Ooh. yeah uh so this was like a overall it was a um Kind of like the whole year of 2019 was, what dare I say, a, a year of villains. Bruh. The event was really spread out. It's weird. Um, so this was Hell Arisen, which is like the actual main event or kind of main event. Um, so this was a four issue miniseries, but it was split. Each uh, individual issue was split into three parts. Um, so we have chapter one, Doom, which was written by Scott Snyder, uh, penciled and inked by Jim Chung. Uh, chapter two, Leviathan, written by Brian Michael Bendis and art by Alex Maleev. And then Justice, which is part three, written by James uh, Tynion, Tynion. I still don't know how to pronounce his last right. name. And uh, yeah, James James Tynion. There we go. I knew it. James Tynion the fourth. Um, and then illustrated by Francis Manifal. I'm not a fan of when books or issues are split up between different writers and artists for the most part. If it's a one shot, so like an infinite frontier or like a DC rebirth where it's like, a, oh, this is the demonstrate what the different lines will be like. And it's big. 
this is just four different issues, but split up between three artists, three like writer artist sets. It's really annoying. Um, so on that thought, liken that to Mandalorian, which is directed by different people every episode. That's fine. That's good. Usually. It can't be that much different, though. Like, it's going to look mostly the same, but you're going to have different freaking artistically shown shots. And I mean, different. There are different. Point of views and perspectives. I think it shows strongest in the first season because that's where episodes were a lot more in the bottle. Right. Um, but you have a heist episode, which also partially played out like a horror movie for short segments of it. That was very different than the first two, which were basically just like actual straight up westerns. Like, it's very different directing styles. Very different right. from when it's That's what I'm saying. So you said you don't like it when it's not comic lines are like written it, by different people and drawn by different people. So I have no issues with it when they connect or like events. No shit. They're not going to all be done by the exact same people. Right. Um, that's fine. Like when there are different intersecting lines, like the uh, Metal the Resistance, where you have Suicide Squad, Titans, Green Arrow, Harley Quinn, like all of them intersecting. That was fine. And those did jump in between. But that was on an issue-by-issue issue basis. This is... Each issue is split up into three sections. And there are four issues. Oh. Yeah. And they're each running a different part of the plot. I see It's that. annoying. Okay. Um, I thought all of it was done really well, but I just can't stand that sort of writing style. Um, it feels way more gimmicky. And a lot... These are some of my favorite comic writers. It's annoying. Um... Basically, uh, this is partially a culmination of the Forever Evil event as well as the Year of the Villain event and some other shit, which then ties in... This is essentially like the setup issue or like the setup book for what is going to be happening in Death Metal. It also ties into Justice Doomore. I forgot that one. That's kind of the big one. Um, some of those are events. Some of those are just like the end. Like Justice Doomore was like the end of the Justice League book, book written by Scott Snyder in 2019. It's a lot. And this is where I think DC Publishing really f***ed up with how messy all this shit is. Yep. Because all of the ideas are really, 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 really good. They got amazing artists and, and writers involved. And it's so f***ing all over the place. It, it just, it drives me crazy. Um. Anyways, so... Lex Luthor, our, our big old bald boy, um, is essentially having a rivalry with the Batman Who Laughs um, to become the right hand of Perpetua, who we met in the Justice League line. She is the mother of the multiverse. So she, her children are the monitor, the anti-monitor, and... Another character who I cannot remember who is one of the people who also monitors those sorts of things. I can't Tempest remember his name. Fugina. No. He's, oh. he's the next tier down. Oh. Um, so she is the, like, outside of Darkseid, because Darkseid, not his physical form, you know, Justice League punches Darkseid, real good, big deal. Like, the Darkseid, the way out there concept, she's the biggest thing. Um, she literally breathed the multiverse into existence but she did it wrong and it's good it was supposed to be bad and she's angry and she's like well this world is all of these worlds are kind of shit, but they're not my type of shit. and thusly she doesn't like the fact that the dark multiverse dark multiverse exists not because she wants to flip the the multiverse essentially over and have that be on top it should kind of just all be bad 
but not like the deepest, darkest hells of your nightmares. Oh, like what the dark multiverse is, where everything is perpetual nightmare mode. Right. Um, it's just all supposed to be kind of bad. It's weird. Um, yeah. So Lex Luthor merges with a Martian. He becomes Apex Lex, which I th- actually thought was pretty cool. He's like <laughs> the Apex Predator, but he's also big, big brain boy. Um, I thought that that was kind of neat. So he's having a rivalry with the Batman who laughs to, to, to please Perpetua, essentially. Um, he gets betrayed by Perpetua. Big surprise. Um, Lex Luthor was being naive. Um, yeah. And then he, they, they pull together some teams and they, they do punchy sh- It's really hard to tell what the actual plot was of this. It's hard to describe because it's the culminescence of so many damn things. I enjoyed it. It was a good read. The dialogue was really, really good. Uh, mostly the art was excellent. Um, the, the teams were really interesting. I was a fan of that. Um, yeah, it, it's just, I gave this book a fairly high rating on Goodreads, but on the, the, the most frustrating thing is how messy this fucking thing is. Cause this isn't like the big event. This is a tie in to another tie in to three separate smaller events, which are all leading up to the big one, which in theory makes sense. All of your other events should be dwarfed by a crisis and the crisis to end all crises, but still it just, it makes reading it really unpleasant and obnoxious when you don't know everything. So you have to end up doing a lot of wikiing and then you're like, I just want to enjoy these two people just kind of yelling at each other because it's fun. Right. But, uh, yeah, that's really it on that price. Uh, like 16, $17, get it on a sale for like 12, you know, 10, 12. It's, it's all right. It's, it's a decent enough read. It's just frustrating on the, the, the larger scale. Right. Well, I pulled a Colin. Wow. And I played most of EA's Star Wars Squadrons, Ooh. which released last year, 2020. Uh, there are 14 missions, and I got through most of them. I stopped because... I got to a spot where it's like, shoot the thing, and the thing wasn't there, and it really, really, really pissed me off because they're just saying shoot the thing over and over and over again, and there's no thing to shoot. But anyway, uh, it felt like each mission was just made as a precursor so that you understand how each different ship operates so that you know what you're doing when you jump into multiplayer. It's basically the same setup as Battlefront 2's re-release or whatever from a couple of years ago yeah like the missions are just there to teach you how to play um they go through i think six missions as the republic and then six missions as or uh, whatever the frig else um it's half and half the republic and then you go to the uh, empire i kept trying to say imperial it's like no freaking empire I want to love this game because my whole childhood, me using my imagination was imagining myself in an X-Wing. Like, that's how I spent my childhood. To be fair, I played this on a very small, uh, not HD computer screen. I did bring that non-HD computer screen about two inches away from my face as I played, but it's not the same. It would have been cooler on a big TV, but I strongly feel this should have been a VR exclusive. It should not have been brought to 
main consoles or PC or whatever for non VR experiencing. I mean, you it was can, it was primarily designed for VR. Yeah. So they it, just kind of ported it over. It for shouldn't have been ported. It just wow. doesn't translate. I don't think. That's sad. There's a lot of stuff in between missions, like actually flying, where you're like standing still and you have to point at the different rooms to go in there and then point at the different people you want to talk to and it pulls up the cutscene and you have to talk to people before you start the mission and there's briefings that you have to attend uh, it so it sounds like actually being in the military it's mostly boring stuff it's they're trying to add a story to the tutorial for multiplayer but after like four, I was just mashing the skip button. Like, just let me fly. Please get me out of here. Like you would be in the military. Um, so how was the actual flying, Flyboy? Well, hang on. The My complaint is that your pointing to other rooms to interact is straight out of VR. You would look over there and click the button to move instead of walking over there by pushing forward on the walking stick because you would get the typical sickness from VR. So, like, they didn't change anything in the off missions from the VR experience. You have... it. Ugh, it sucks. I really want to get a, a VR headset and one of those actual, like, VR treadmills that, so, like, you yeah. can actually just do the walking. walking. Yes. I'm just going to play Minecraft. I'm just going <laughs> to walk so much. Wake up the next morning unable to move. <laughs> That was a hard gaming session. I can't <laughs> even go to the gym. <laughs> um, the actual flying is good. It's got a lot of strong mechanics that they keep introducing more and more of. It got a little complicated. Like, you're using the same button for three different things. Like, the same button um, to tell your squad what to attack or where to go is also the same button that affects your shields uh, forward or aft or just general all around me, which I really, really like the shield concept. Uh, push all the shields to my ass so that I can escape and not get blasted. Ass blasted. <laughs> like, I was using that feature a lot, but there were times where it would just tell my squad to go fly away, and it's like, what? No, don't. Um, so they have a lot of you different... You were playing on a PC. Were you using no. a... Con you were I was on playing a on my PlayStation. Oh. But not PS VR because that thing is, costs as much as another PlayStation. It does. It's not so bad, though. Screw that. Like, how many I mean, games am I actually going to play? You can Resident play Evil Arkham, 7. You can play Arkham VR for the two-minute, the like, two-hour runtime. Yeah, no. <laughs> Resident Evil 7, EA Squadrons, and there's nothing else. There's a lot of different systems on your ship that you can change, like the different blasters or uh, different hulls or engines or whatever. So you can basically take this the, the basic shape or basic ship model and make it uh, peak for how you play. If you're a running gunner or if you're slow and tanky, and bombing or, or whatever. There's a lot of variety in how you can build your ship, uh, which is really helpful because 
most of the basic ship uh, loadouts, uh, I had a really hard time steering. It just felt like I was driving a school bus. It was like, please turn sharper. And they like tell you to slow down and turn or or whatever, and it just doesn't. What work. you really want to do is just space drift. Just do that awesome move that you see in every movie. They're just they. It's really hard to pull off, but you can do it. Nice. But it's really hard to pull off, and I pretty much only did it during the tutorial. That was cool. I won't remember how to do that again. That's one hell of a pilot. <laughs> so, I want to like it. But I don't have a VR headset. It should have just, just been VR. Just tape your phone to your eyes. <laughs> Put a little cardboard box around it. Multiplayer is frustrating because it's a really, really big space. It's almost like battlefield size map, and you only have five dudes to five people to shoot at. So it's like by the time you get to the firefight, you're like da 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 da, and then somebody's shooting at you, and you're dead. And it's like, I didn't even hit somebody. Like, a lot of that is partly because I probably suck. Which I, I can fully own. But also... Get, get, get good? Shut up. <laughs> but also, it's just really frustrating to have to fly for 30 seconds to get to the fight, and then... But you gotta redeploy from very, the ship. It's die gotta be quickly. battle accurate. You're battle accurate. I got some battle scars. <laughs> From Cooking Simulator too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, so, what'd you what'd you buy this for? Because I know I it got launched it for at forty dollars. Twenty? That's I think? not bad. No, it's about as cheap as games get. It's it's probably worth the price, but I'm kind of dissatisfied with what I spent on it. I I personally should have waited longer for a, a deeper sale than that, but. That would be hard to come by. So I read one of the books you have lent me. Where I, it's it's multiple little books, but it's it's collected as one book. Yes. Um. So I read Doctor Spectrum. So the book itself, I went and did a, a Goodreads search because Goodreads is always on top of their comic books. Um. All of those issues are collected as what is called full spectrum. Is what the trade is called. You're full spectrum. I know I'm on the spectrum. <laughs> Uh, it's written by Sarah Barnes, uh, penciled by Travel Foreman. It's a six-issue 2004 miniseries under Marvel's uh, Max label. So you bought it for like eight bucks. Yep. I borrowed it. I I read this on my lunch break. Um, I kind of hate the art, frankly. Some of it's pretty good. Some of it's pretty bad. It's super basic. It's so inconsistent. It's all one penciler and every issue looks different. Not like, a, ooh, ooh, we're doing different styles because the tone is shifting. It just looks like a different illustrator every f***ing time. And that's not because of all the flashbacks? No. Hmm. I you would cut that. No, it, it's something that you'd feel like if it was a more potentially a more experienced illustrator, it would be an intentional choice to differentiate your flashbacks right. or your different sections of the emotional spectrum, which is what I thought it was until I just read through it again, like briefly. I was like, nope, nope, it's just lazy. Weird. It it's just Trump poorly illustrated. It's not horrible. It's bearable, but it's not fun to look at. It's just bland. Um, mm -hmm. The story was interesting in premise. 
Um, I like the pastiche, uh, which is what the technical term for when you have a character that's basically another character from a different company, but you're not actually parodying it. So this is a pastiche of Green Lantern. Because he's got a thing, his emotions, and yeah, the Squadron Supreme, uh, which is the team that he will eventually become a part of um, on this version of Earth, are basically a pastiche of the Justice League. Um, So he's hanging out with like Black Hawk and like other characters like that. Hmm. Yeah, Um, I enjoy the pastiche of it of it being like a different take on a character from another company that somebody else came up with. I I kind of like that. Um, but this just the, the really bland ass characterizations of everybody, including the main character, very, very boring. It just, the, everyone's generic. Everyone talks really generic. There are like five generic military doctors with three doctor doctors and nurse who gets a lot in this book. Um, and even the main character is very inconsistent, which I, I can live with that one because he's in a coma sort of thing and he's like talking to the stone and doing flashbacks and stuff. So I could live with him being kind of all over the place. Um, there's just no real interesting character in this book, aside from the main character, who's only maybe 50% of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I did enjoy the the flashbacks. The structure is something that, personally speaking, as an amateur scriptwriter, I would not f*** with. I would not try to write any of my stuff now like that in terms of structure. It's all over the place. If you're experienced, you can pull it off because you understand how to pull stuff in and out and weave the current theme of this scene into the next. It's really hard, and I don't think it was done very well. Um, As she was described at the time, she was in a hot and upcoming writer. It kind of shows. Not trying to be overly harsh, but I, I write flashbacks. I'm not a good writer, to be frank. I'm not, but I do some script writing here and there. I write flashbacks. Everything is real fucking simple, though. This is trying to deal with so many different time periods at the same time, and the current timeline, which jumps around. After the first issue, he's in a coma for, like, four months before we find him again in the second issue. And then it all takes place over, like, two days. It's so... This was not planned out. This was really done off the just off the top of whoever's head. Um, I really feel like it didn't justify the adult rating, to be honest. So it's a max book, which means it's under... What Marvel was doing in the 2000s was they had alternate versions of characters. There's a couple of different... Earth, I believe there's three... Two or three different Earth designations that all of the max titles took place on. This is one. Punisher, uh, Wolverine, and then another character all took place on a different Earth. Something like that. Um... And I like that, and especially yeah, Punisher Max is universally loved and kind of retrofitted into main continuity at this point because everyone loves it so much. It's so good. But this one was like, all right, cool, they show the titties. What else? Like, it happens. Like, there's some... It's like two or three words. Yeah, there's... Like, a, there's and two or three text scenes. Yeah, but like... they're really, really, really small. Like, one frame. Yeah, like... I mean, the fact that the main character runs around a lot in the nude is probably the real thing. But it's shadowed but out. It, for yeah, the it's most part. shadowed. He's a big muscular dude. Nobody cares if you can see his ass anyway. Um, as usual, you can see everything. There's no dong though. You hide the dong, you're fine. Which is so dumb. Right. Um, yeah, but like some characters have some titties, and it's like okay, fine. Like I have no problem with this. None of it seemed gratuitous, which isn't a complaint that it wasn't gratuitous for the most part, anyway. But like usually, when you get a "this is really adult," it's made for adults. It's gonna feel gratuitous right. somewhere, 
this felt like another Marvel book in the early 2000s, which was when they had like their kind of darker turn was like when like around turn of the, the millennium, like ultimate comics. And then even the main line comics were a bit more graphic at the time. But that's really it. I think and they what say you fuck like three times. Yeah, I think out of... what you're trying to say is like they only half committed to the max rating. Mm-hmm. Like, if you cut what gave it its rating, it could have easily been mainstream. Oh, one hundred percent. Easily, easily. Like it felt almost intentional that they were like, "Oh, we have to try to make this a max rating." Like. You could have made the flashbacks way more visceral. You could have made it a lot more graphic when violence does happen. And you could have easily justified that, like Punisher does, with no sweat. Obviously, it's not Punisher, but it just, it felt really half-heartedly adult. It was like, oh, we should throw in a sex scene frame. Boom. Boobies. Wow. It just expands upon what's already there. Like every all, almost all comics of the the similar type. They'd be like, okay, they're gonna they're gonna do the do on that couch, and then there's two panels. uh, Someone's hand goes under his shirt. Boom, we wake up next morning. Like that's usually what comics do for the most part. Right. And this one's like, oh, we got four more panels. You can see a nipple, and then someone says, and then then we wake up the next morning. It's like, why? Right. It doesn't add a layer. It doesn't necessary. It doesn't just allude to it like. Yeah. Every other comic book. It doesn't feel like either it's gratuitous just to get horny people to read it or for people that really like language or whatever. And it doesn't feel like it is actually part of the desire of the writer or the artist to have a more um, graphic or more adult or more like in-depth look at stuff. Like j- Just because you show a lot of boobs, it doesn't mean that your book is just doing it to get horny people on board. It's... You can do it in a matter of, hey, we're doing storytelling that just has more nudity or whatever. But this one's so weird in the middle and it doesn't care about either end of, we're doing it just so the horny, angry guys read the book. Or doing it where it's like, uh, it's artistic and whatever. It's just there. Why? So what I'm you're not saying buying this. is, it was definitely worth the free price tag. Absolutely worth the loan. It filled up a lunch break. Um... Maybe when I'm rich, famous, and I have room on my shelf, because I would, I would love to have like all the Squadron Supreme book. Maybe then I buy it as a trade for like ten bucks. But I'm probably not gonna read it again. I kind of regret the eight bucks I spent on it. Yeah, I'm not gonna buy it. I'll never read it again. Send it to Colin. He'll be like, "Ooh, boobies!" Yeah, but <laughs> he won't even get to the boobies because he'll of be the so different... bored illustration That's changes. True. He'll be like, "Oh, we suck." First panel, he's gonna throw up. Right. That's that's fair. So uh, I know you have only done the two things, and you don't have another thing, whereas we're supposed to have three because Colin's not here. So let me come up with a question out of my ass for you. Ooh, at least wipe the off of it first no. place. Okay. Favorite Spider-Man costume in any form of media? No restriction on type, continuity, or medium of, of art. I... You gotta think about it. Yeah. I haven't read a Spider-Man book. Holy Jesus. We gotta get you on some Ultimate Spider-Man. Honestly, not huge on PS4 Spider-Man's basic suit. I love everything about it except the shade of red. The red is too orange, and it doesn't look good. If it was a darker red, it's really unique. It looks... Washed (sighs) out. It tries too hard to make it look like there's a human underneath. A little chiseled, a little padded. 
it it walks a weird line and I don't like it. That's fair. Uh never been huge on the um the sweatshirt one. That one just looks weird. The punk rock one is kind of funny, but I'm I was gonna say unrealistic. Let's think about this. Uh man with spider bats is too unrealistic. You're breaking my immersion because he has a mohawk. <laughs> He can't sneak around with that mohawk sticking out of his head. Yeah. He's going to bump it into everything. Uh, Iron Spider is up there as So are we favorites. talking like comic Iron Spider? Like like the Iron Spider? Or are we talking MCU Iron Spider? Oh, there was one in the game that I kept playing as. It was a Ghost Rider Spider-Man suit where his flame... Yeah, his head was flaming... That one was pretty friggin' funny to play because uh, as it's loading different areas, it shows uh, Spider-Man like on the Amtrak or T or whatever, yeah. and it's just a flaming ghost head. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was one of my favorites. Nice. Um, I don't know. I don't really like or dislike too many suits. Wow. I'm kind of just like a fan of I having. I like Spider Man. I, I like different suits. Go thwip. I like that there is a lot of variation among suits. Like, it's not all. Like, Iron Man. Iron Man, Mark 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. It drives me crazy. Because, yeah, it shows an evolution, but. A lot of them are pretty similar. Yeah. Going from like 3 to 4 is like. What'd you change? There's not a whole lot there. Like it's really, really yeah. small baby steps. Whereas Spider-Man has big variations. You've got color swaps or different colors, like black and green instead of the red and blue or whatever. So, <laughs> oh, oh, big time Spider-Man. Oh boy. Or like if you oh mix Spider-Man and another character, what that looks like. So I'm usually down for most of them. Free Comic Book Day is coming up very, very soon, next couple of months, and uh, the people who had a huge hand in it until recently was uh, Jetpack Comics and Games in downtown Rochester, New Hampshire. Jetpack offers uh, what you would assume to find in a comic book store, which would be comic books. Wow. But also, they have a whole bunch of other things. They have, like, minifigures and uh, replicas and dice, and board games, and artwork all over the place, and rare stuff, and it's just a comic book nerd's dream to walk into there. Uh, visit them on their website, or in person. I'm going there after the recording in about 15 minutes, and I'm very excited. But, back on the point about Free Comic Book Day. We plan to be having a table somewhere in a deep, dark corner of the whole event. Well, we'll you, be in the saw bathroom-looking dungeon thing. Yes, you might be able to find us if you're really looking for us. It's that small of a table, but we are uh, bouncing around ideas for cosplay. And I think what should happen is that we, we We've already posted a picture of uh, Colin cosplaying as Spider-Man. So I think we should somehow create a Patreon-exclusive-funded Spider-Man costume variant 
for Colin to wear on Free Comic Book Day. And that can only happen if we have Patreon. So thank you very much to Business Casual, Jeff Lorenz, and Wesley Eaton for supporting the show continuously, nonstop. It is much appreciated. Give us money and we'll be able to buy a paper sign to put on Colin's back saying, kick me. As he's just as Spider-Man. Yeah, and I'll kick him anyway. Yeah. If we have listeners out there that are not Patreons who would like to be Patreons, maybe uh, support the Patreon-exclusive Spider-Man variant uniform, go over to patreon.com forward slash dime comic bros. There are a couple of different tiers. Hopefully those tiers are going to be simplified here pretty soon. And you can get all kinds of cool extra stuff. Stickers. With the different tiers. I have... I think I still have a Patreon-exclusive soundbite that I need to edit. Uh, just sitting on my hard drive, waiting for me to listen to it. Uh, actually, last episode, uh, Colin called out one of the Patreons and was telling them very rude things. And I will be sending that to Colin to send to the Patreon. It's paid for by the lizard people. Ooh! So, speaking of uh, lizard people, you know what else controls the world? Ancient artifacts. And former, formerly Nazis. Um, we will be discussing a book related to both of those things uh, next week, which is Spider-Man Noir Twilight in Babylon. It is the first five issues of the current Spider-Man Noir run which at the time of us deciding we thought was going to be a limited series, but it turns out it's an ongoing, so big oof there. But, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, our, everyone's favorite trench coat-wearing, revolver-wielding... Uh, Nicholas Cage. And then the week after that's Howard the Duck. Yes! <laughs> um, yeah, so as Jacob said, Patreon's got lots of stuff on it. As you alluded to, we got some sound clips, we got some memes. Um, oh, yeah, I you... didn't go through all the socials, did I? It's fine. That's it's your mine. job. Exactly. I don't care about the socials. Exactly. I'm just the one who actually brings us viewers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also listen to episodes as soon as they're done being edited, usually on Fridays, but on occasion stuff does happen. You know, we do have lives. We are allowed to have lives and girlfriends. Just saying. Jacob, get one. <clears throat> um, I'm going to give you one. Sheesh. I am, not gonna, one. I am not going to be your girlfriend. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I post memes, and I, I, I post some news. On occasion, some news that we don't get to, because it's not super relevant, or maybe it's like smaller stuff or updates, you know. Um, stuff that happens in the nerd world. Maybe I'll post something about Mortal Kombat. Who knows? Nerd world! Nerd oh, world! My word. Um... Yeah, you get to, to see some of the teasers and the episodes we're going to be putting out in the future. Get some some links. Get You get the hookups. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Go follow us on oh. social media. Give us a clout. Please give us a clout. We're desperate. I know hookups. Oh, boy. I'm sure you don't. Nope. <laughs> um, yeah, and then tune in next week, and we'll talk about trench coats and fedoras. And Nazis. Do you think we should all wear trench coats and fedoras next week? No. Dude, that'd make for a great photo. It would look like a WoW convention. <laughs> or an anime expo. <laughs> or just any nerd convention, period. Pretty much. Yeah. Probably shouldn't attack our own kind.
<laughs> Do not save that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to. I hate you. I know. I was getting my women mixed up. Yeah, get your women straight. Get your bat femoids straight, my dude. Do you shave the point between your eyebrows so no. you don't have a monobrow? No. We support a protest. Hong Kong protesters are literally trying to not die right now, and then mm -hmm. they're like, but also, we filmed right next to a Chinese concentration camp for Mulan. Oopsies. But you were gay. <laughs> I've been staring at your mouse, and I had a strong feeling, but I had to do research. It's the Guild Wars 2 logo. <laughs> I didn't know that. I feel like Resident Evil 8 is probably coming out for VR if it hasn't already. I don't know. I feel like there's a really big market for that. Besides the fact that she dies in the first two hours? What? Yeah, at least that's what I heard from one of my favorite reviewers. That's They're like, kind of lame. It's sold on her and they kill her off in like the first two hours. Honestly, the balls. That's great. Balls. No, you. yeah, the balls on, the, on them to do that. I feel like, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, what yeah, we yeah. want you to do is market it. So we get all the horny dudes to buy it, and they and then all get they all get blue balled, and then they <laughs> still play it because they realize it's a good game. Yeah, yes. legally speaking, we do not stand behind our own opinions. Right. We are. We, we can't do We are that. a legally protected class, right. being neckbeards. Twenty seventeen. A. It's your boy. I remember because it came out the same year as Assassin's Creed Origins. I don't know why, it's just one of those things, like, they're just games that stick together in your brain. We have talked a lot about games this episode. That's <laughs> so, what happens when Colin's not here. Hey! I covered all the bases. With my hands. You're still here? It's over. Go home.